the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who gives us our vocation and gives us his own vocation as well. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it was a few years back, and there was a woman named uh, Maria Kang. And Maria Kang was a fitness instructor. She was a very fit person. She, she liked to eat healthy. She liked to go out and, and exercise. Uh, and uh, what she did uh, one day, she, she decided that she was going to um, uh, kind of challenge people around her. See, uh, Maria was not only those things. She was also the, the recent mother of her third child. And so... Uh, what Maria decided she was going to do was she was going to take a picture in her workout gear along with her three children and place that picture up on social media. And as she placed that picture up on social media, she put it along with this tagline, what's your excuse? Well, that sent the interwebs into a tizzy. And people began to snipe at Maria Kang, saying that it was unfair, that she was sort of making an accusation with that question about other people. And they began to call her a fat shamer, that she was somebody who was trying to shame people into changing their lives, trying to shame people that were overweight or couldn't get out as often as she did in order to go to the gym with her three kids and then there was a responding volley that came from the fitness community. And the fitness community started to say, well, this is unfair. What you are doing is you are fit shaming us for being fit people. It is not fair that you expect us to not eat healthy and not go out and exercise and not post these things on to Facebook and it went back and forth, and you can probably tell why. Because if anybody ever asks us that question, what's your excuse, you immediately begin to well, feel a little bit bad about yourself. You, you begin to wonder, well, what is my excuse? And really, is my excuse a valid excuse? Because what excuses are are basically just a recognition of weakness. What excuses are a recognition that we don't have something that perhaps other people think that we should or perhaps even that we think that we should. And so if you feel that Maria Kang has uh, all of this ability to go out and to work out and to eat healthy and you don't have those abilities for whatever reason, then you begin to feel a little bit shameful about yourself. And honestly, nobody really likes to feel ashamed. Well, when God comes to Jeremiah in our first reading, he calls him out on an excuse. And so God comes to Jeremiah and he says that great line about, I've known you even before you were formed in your mother's womb. I have called you in order to be a prophet. And what does Jeremiah respond with? He responds with, well, a couple of excuses. Well, um, you know, that's great, God, that you've seen all of this in me and that that's what you've designed me to be able to do. And yet, um, yeah, I can't speak that well. 
So maybe you can find somebody else. Which, if you read the rest of the book of Jeremiah, you kind of understand maybe why he was a little bit hesitant to sign up for that job. It was difficult, to say the least. And there's something of us that when God comes to us in all of our different vocations and says, this is what I have created you for, there's a part of us that comes up with an excuse. Because what it means for us to be in our vocations is that we have been redeemed by God in our baptisms in order to live out what it is to be redeemed. And so when God calls you into a certain vocation, and those vocations can be everything from the thing that you do from nine to five to being a father or a mother or a son or a daughter or a citizen or a church member, whatever those things are, we recognize that God has called us into those areas. And God, in this reading from Jeremiah, is trying to keep us from this habit that we have of coming up with excuses and saying, well, I can't be a good father or I can't be a good son or a good citizen or a good church member or whatever it is that you do or who you are. And God is saying, I don't want your excuses. I didn't want Jeremiah's. And if you think that yours is better than Jeremiah's, you've got another thing coming. Which leads us then to take a look at ourselves and to take an honest look at a lot of our excuses. And a lot of our excuses, when we take an honest look at them, we have to come to this point where we go, well, there are some things that are maybe valid in my life, but a lot of the excuses that I hold on to, well, they're just excuses. They're just things that, well, maybe I don't want to do. Maybe there are things that just seem a little bit too difficult for me. There are things that maybe you could do, but it's really not a problem of your excuse, but it's a problem of your will. And so then in those times and in those places, God comes to us and he says, well, hey, I've, I've, I've got something for you. I've, I've got some things for you to do. And we look at those things that God has for us to do, and we begin to kind of throw up our hands in despair because we know who we are. We know that we are excuse makers. And not only do we know that we are excuse makers for the wrong reasons, we also know that we are excuse makers for the right reasons. That we are weak. That we are unable to do certain things. And that is a scary place for us to be, especially in Western culture, to admit that we are not able to be Maria Kang. For whatever reason it is, if you are unable to be that. And so then we, we look to God and we say, okay, God, how, how, how does this get fixed? Because I, I know that you don't want to hear my excuses. I know that I am weak because of my sins. And yet I know that you have called me to do certain things. And so how does that all work out? I'm kind of left in a lurch here because it seems like what you are expecting out of me is for me to boldly go into failure. And I don't want to do that. Because failure hurts. And failure makes me sad. 
And so it's good for us to take a look at how the story of Jesus really impacts our lives. And uh, first of all, the, the big thing about the story of Jesus, especially in these readings that we have today, is that Jesus is the only human being who ever existed who completely fulfilled his vocation. And you see a little glimpse of that in the gospel reading today. You see Jesus being this person who, no matter what is placed in front of him, he says, I, I can handle that. I I'll, I'll do that. No excuses. I am going to cast out a demon. Well, we, we could kind of give that to Jesus. We could be like, well, that guy has a demon. Who wants to deal with demons? But Jesus goes, no, no, that's okay. Cast him out. All right, good. He goes out. And then even on the other side of it, kind of the positive excuse. And we definitely have some of those. The the excuse of, oh, well, these people love me so much that I just want to stay here. And they want to make me their ruler. And they want me to stay here. And they want to hear me talk. And, oh, it'd be so nice. Jesus doesn't do that either. He goes, I've got a mission. I've got to get going. I know that you guys like me. Thank you very much. Tip your waitresses. I'm out. Jesus goes and he fulfills his vocation even up until the point of a cross like that one. Where he goes and he fulfills the vocation of what it means to be a Messiah. That he goes and he dies on that cross for your sins and my sins and the sins of all of humanity that might have faith in him. He goes and he does all of that. And so in this, we we see a clear picture of, of a Lord who doesn't take excuses either from us or from himself. But that still leaves us then in this kind of lurch of, okay, well, that's great, that's Jesus, but what does that have to do with me? And that's when 1 Corinthians 13 really becomes an important part of this conversation. And that important part of this conversation is that that entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 13 is supposed to show us what it looks like to be a mature Christian. And what it looks like to be a mature Christian is to have love. And the perfect place that we can look to, literally the perfect place that we can look to, to see what it is like to be a mature Christian is... The Christ is the Messiah, is Jesus. And so as we read along in 1 Corinthians 13, it's good for us to take that chunk of Scripture and divorce it from weddings for a little bit. And to say, well, this is really about Jesus. And yes, this is what Paul is calling the Corinthians to do, but he's only calling the Corinthians to be that way because this is what Jesus is for us first and foremost. 
He bears all things. He is patient. He is kind. He is a Savior that no matter how many excuses we come to Him with, and no matter how many failures we come to Him with, He is always going to be there, not in order to shame us. Not in order to say, well, you, you, your excuse is baloney. Even when it is. He's not going to be there to say, your failure is despicable. Even when it is. He is there to say, I love you. And he calls us to come to him in that loving relationship. Because what is it like to be a person who is loved? A person who is loved can go to the person who loves them and assume that these things are true. A person who is loved can go to the person who loves them and say, I have made excuses and I don't want you to take my excuses anymore. A person who is loved can go to a person who loves them and can say, I have made mistakes and I don't want you to hold those mistakes against me. A person who is loved can go to the person who loves them and say, this is me. Weaknesses, failures, excuses, the whole nine. But love me. And the person who loves them looks at them and says, this is who you are. Your excuses, your failures, your weaknesses. And I love you. That is who Jesus is for us. And so no matter what kind of excuses you're playing around with when it comes to you and your relationship with God, no matter what kind of weaknesses you're ashamed of as you're bringing them to God, know this, that when you come to Him, you're coming to Him as someone who loves you, as someone who forgives you, who writes your weaknesses, who turns your weaknesses into vulnerabilities that are lovable. Who takes your excuses and lovingly calls you out on them. And for whom none of those things matter as much as his love. Amen.